we were heavily invested in a lot of our clients were in tier one automotive. And at the time in Southern Ontario, when the global financial crisis started happening, Obama reached into Southern Ontario and pulled a lot of the automotive plants out, took them back into America. And a lot of our clients then, their businesses were decimated. Therefore, my business was decimated. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. And that mission has led me to create the Become a Better Investor community. In the community, you get access to the tools you need to create, grow, and protect your wealth. Go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to claim your spot. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guest, Dave Clare. Dave, are you ready to join the mission? I am ready to join the mission. I thought I was already part of the mission. Sorry. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. You are already, you've got your mission, and we're going to learn more about that. So let me introduce you to the audience. Let's start off with this. Purpose, leadership, and simplicity are the keys to success in shaping your business evolution. For well over two decades, Dave Clare has been a practitioner that has led multiple businesses in and through commercially and organizationally challenging times, bringing care, compassion, and urgency to his process. Dave's legacy in the making is one of achievement, fulfillment, and joy in the workplace and Dave, take a minute and tell us about the unique value that you bring to this wonderful world. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Andrew. So many years ago, I started an organization called Circle Leadership, which was to help create this shift in leadership from an ecosystem of leadership to an ecosystem of leadership and organizations where we could actually care about the people in our organizations as humans first, employees second. And that where we could get rid of all this top-down concept of leadership and create an all-around sense of leadership in the organization. So that people actually have more meaningful lives, meaning and work being a key component of that. We could create more meaningful work for people and where people could bring their best self to work and become even better because of the work that they're doing in the world. That and, and the whole premise of why Circle Leadership exists then is to help leaders to evolve themselves and their businesses to stay relevant because we saw too many people growing out of business. Too many businesses, people were you know being more for more. And then also when the market shift or changed or something like what happened in the world in the last couple of years comes along, it wiped out a lot of people's businesses and livelihoods. And we want to stop that from happening. And how would you describe the problem that, let's say, a business leader is facing that would cause them to search out and find your business? Yeah, the simple thing is, is if their business is plateauing, they're working longer and harder than they ever have just to keep it plateauing. They know they have really great people. They know, you know, they care about their people, but they just don't seem to be able to get the momentum or movement happening that they need to have happen. And it's just taking more energy and time and possibly money just to keep it where it is. Mm. You know, we work with successful people. They just know that they need to. They just don't know, maybe not know how to do it. Got so. it. And finally, just for the for the listeners who are interested in what you're talking about, what's the best place for them to go to follow you to see more about what you're doing or to learn more about your business? If you want to follow me more, you can just go to daveclare.com, D-A-V-E-C-L-A-R-E.com or our company, circleleadershipglobal.com. Got it. All right. Because that'll take too long. Yes. 
All right. I'll have links to that in the show notes anyways. So now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I was trying to post a timeline in my head, like when it would have been around 1999 or 2000. I was back in Canada. I live in Australia now. I was, as a Canadian, I was back in Canada in a place called Barrie, Ontario. And I was a licensee of a large international, the world's largest personal and organizational development company at the time. And just come off a very successful year. And I thought, this is great. And I wanted to, you know, really embed myself in the community and, and things like that. And and so I thought, oh, I've got my house, which we've invested in. And then I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll take the, I'll leverage the equity in that. And I'm going to buy a, a building and I'm going to set up this new center for leadership excellence in the community. And it'll be this great place where leaders can come in and, you know, get away from it. And, you know, see that we had like a library, it would have boardrooms. It was kind of like this really cool concept, I thought at the time. And it would make us stand out and like, well, look at look at Dave and, and his company at the time, which was named 1877 Leading. And that was only because our 1-800 phone number was 1877 and then all the letters, the, the numer- numerical matching of the word leading. So it made it sound like we've been around, you know, 1877 Leading, it's our name, it's our number was the kind of the, the catchphrase at the time. And this was a community of like 120,000 people. And I'd worked really hard to position myself into the the business community in that space. And so then I found this really old building. And then we thought, you know, like, oh, I'll do that. And then we bought this whole building and then had to renovate the whole thing. It had old knob and tube wirings. It had lath and plaster walls. It had it was, a, it was like it was the sixth house ever built in the community in which I lived in. So the house was over 150 years old back in 2000. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to make this place. And everyone's going to want to come here and you know, it'll just be amazing. And then we're doing that. And then, then I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy a bunch of, you know, got some really nice cars and invested in cars and stuff that the teams. And we kept renovating the building, buying new furniture. And we just kept spending, 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 spending in a business that at the time really wasn't one that it was just a cash flow business. So you lived and died by the sale of the programs. If I wasn't selling programs, I wasn't making money. There was no like recurring revenue model. There was no, I wasn't really building equity because even if I sold the business, it was based on me. So there was no, so all I was doing was increasing expenses to create this place. And then and the price of cars and insurances in Canada was not very cheap, I assure you, even though people may seem to think that North American prices are a lot less than other places. But I tell you what, our insurance was the same price as, as the uh, actual loan repayments on the vehicles. So yeah, so I just kept spending money on that sort of stuff. and. I just wanted to really, it was about looking really good. I want everything to look really good and I wanted to look really good. And, you know, like I was resting on my laurels, like how great I was and where I was positioned at the time. And I was like a big fish in a little pond. And that, well, that was a realization later, but I felt like I was just one of the big fish now. I'm like, and I look at all my clients and these are very extremely successful people with, you know, companies that were the, the front of their house there had Mercedes and BMWs all parked in front of these big, organizations of 500 employees they all lived in big houses and you know those are the people that i serve so i said well i need to look like those people i need to i need to have a big fancy cars in my own house my own office building and my own so i invested in all that stuff Mm. how did it like when was the day that you thought to yourself this is all falling in or what what happened to kind of bring this to an end for that particular chapter in your life 
well, one of the key reasons was a divorce. So my then wife and I, a mother of my kids, she chose to leave us, which was, I thank her for every day, and not in a bad way, because I wouldn't have the life I have now if she hadn't, because I would never have left. And it was definitely not her. You know, it takes two to tango, our relationship where it was at. But that, and then right on the right at the cusp of the global financial crisis at the same time. So not only go through divorce, so my team could, the tension in the team, because my then wife worked in the business, then some team started disappearing a little bit. And then the global financial crisis came along and I was upside down on the house and upside down on the business and lost 70% of my client base at the same time because of we were heavily invested in a lot of our clients were in tier one automotive. And at the time in Southern Ontario, when the global financial crisis started happening, Obama reached into Southern Ontario and pulled a lot of the automotive plants out, took them back into America. And a lot of our clients then, their businesses were decimated. Therefore, my business was decimated. Mm. And can you remember a specific day that was like the worst day when it was all kind of crashing in on you? I couldn't remember the specific date, but I do remember falling in a, like a, like, like you know, what have I done? Like, I've, you know, here I'm supposed to be the success leadership person and everything like that in business. And it was probably one of the most, what I felt at the time was the most embarrassing moment of my life sitting there after the wife had left. And then, you know, I'm upside down on that. I'm looking at stuff. I had to sell things. I had to, probably the most embarrassing moments when I had to sit down in front of a, I don't know what they call them now, but person that helps you consolidate your debts, right? consolidation services, just to look at how I could even survive and feed. So I still had my, my two kids to take care of. Yeah. And, you know, accommodation wise and everything like that. And I just really had virtually lost everything. Wow. And I know, you know, part of this show is about the authenticity of sharing those moments, which you shared very well. And I think for the listeners out there, you know, you may find yourself trapped in a situation that you got yourself into. As, as I often say, when I talk to young people is that you will be the source of almost all of your problems. And if you can figure out how to not be the source of your problems, you will be better than most people as far as getting through life in a better way. So tell us, how would you describe the lessons that you learned from this? Well, there's several, so many lessons I learned from this. One, obviously, can I explain why I got yeah. to that stage first? Sure. So that might understand the lesson better. Yep. Yeah, I was actually miserable. I was unhappy in my relationship. And once again, so that was... That was, I mean, I was conditioned to believe that marriage was forever and everything like that. And, so, and when you say that, you're talking about in the lead up to this. It's not just at yeah. that moment, right? Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. This is how it all got to the stage where I had all these things. This is why I said my worst investment ever was in my ego, right? Because I was unhappy. So yeah. I was investing in things that I thought would make me happy on the outside. If I couldn't be happy on the inside, well, then damn it, I'm going to find a way to be happy on the outside. Right. And that was, I guess, for me was like, this is how I got in this space. I was so unhappy that I needed to buy things to make me happy to get that dopamine I talk about today. Is this why I, well, I'm going to buy myself a nice car? If I'm going to be miserable in my, who I feel I am as a person in my relationship and everything like that, well, damn it, I'm going to have a nice car. Then I'll have a nice office building and I'll do all these things. And, and then that's why I kept spending because I was actually trying to buy happiness rather than find happiness within me. And so I was, my ego was hurt. And therefore, my ego needed healing. And the way to heal the ego was to buy stuff. Yeah. So like, or the ego jumped in where my, more so like my soul was actually, well, it was hurting. If I really honest, but it was my soul was hurting. Like, you know, and, and then so my ego said, no, it's, I got this. I'll buy you a bunch of stuff and make you feel good about yourself. 
And so I, that's where I bought all that stuff because I was unhappy. Inside, I was unhappy. So on the outside, I looked happy, but on the inside, I was unhappy. And so I bought all these things. And, and you know, it's funny. Like, I go back and Andrew, like, did I know that at the time? Did I actually deep down know what I was actually doing, but I did it anyway? Like, I don't I don't know if I can answer that question yet. Or Sometimes just, we, just go, yeah. we just go rushing through life, like particularly when you're young, like you just yeah. do it. Yeah, because I would wouldn't at that stage I would have been about thirty, so two thousand nineteen hundred thirty three, 30, so thirty four, thirty five when I started to realize that you know I started to buy all this stuff, and then by two thousand and seven, eight, nine, yeah, then that's when I think I'd already gone through the divorce. By then, I then met a new lady in my life in two thousand seven. We got married, and then then I had the responsibility of taking care of like her and her son, which is now my son, who's was when he was born into my life and yet I was still upside down on all this stuff and I was you know it was it was amazing so for me it was all the unhappiness that I'd had that I bought stuff to make myself feel better and so my advice to anybody when you're looking at things saying is it is it your are you trying to make yourself feel happy instead of actually by buying something because you know this is like where people go buy something it's a nice dopamine hit. it's like oh I got this but that is not the answer I need to do some more deeper soul work on myself in order that rather than just trying to buy stuff and band-aid my unhappiness, if you wish. And what, just out of curiosity, because I faced, when I was young, I, I faced a, a time where, you know, everything was collapsing in on me and I was dealing with addiction and all of that. Yeah. And I got into rehab and treatment and that luckily saved me and has kept me sober for 40 years now. And so it's worked and it worked to bring me serenity. What was it? You know, obviously, you know, you talked about your, your new wife that you got, which sounds like was a person that brought a lot of value to you. What yes. were some of the other things that you went through at that time that started waking you up? Besides, obviously, the smack in the face is the first thing, you know, that brings us on our knees to then be open for help. What was the help that you got? Great question. Yeah. So certainly finding someone, a partner in life who loved me for who I was and, and things like that. And please, this not to take anything away from my ex-wife, mm. still a wonderful human being. And I wouldn't be where I am today without her. I wouldn't have the two beautiful kids that I have today without her. But yeah, finding that person who believed in me as a person, um, loved me for like she she came into my life at my lowest. So like the fact that she's still here today, and then she came into my life at my lowest. I had a you know a six and a nine-year-old kids who were amazing human beings today and she accepted me at that so i figured well if you can love me now with all this where i'm at like this is gonna be awesome but the best thing was was actually and another one of the lessons i learned about authenticity and being vulnerable that it's all bandied around today as the latest we'll call latest trend in leadership but is um when you get real real with yourself first and you're willing to be vulnerable with others i sat down with a whole bunch of clients and just talked to them about what was happening and what went on and the support that I got and the care that was shown by these amazing human beings around me. And it's quite funny how some people that you wouldn't have expected to step up, stepped up and other people you thought would step up, step back. And you, and to me, I really all got to understand who my friends were or who I had real relationships with right. and the rallied around to support us through that and have our back through as we were, you know, looking at how we could rebuild our lives and, and move forward. So it's really, really important once again, Great lessons. Look at your network. You know, right. we always read in the books, and the gurus always say, you know, show me the, the ten people you hang around with, and I'll show you. Um, and it was interesting to see the people that I was hanging around with, 
those who step forward and those who step back. And that really got me to understand, like having that really powerful support network was critical. And then also the right financial advice and then getting some advice from some people about how best to handle it. I wanted to take responsibility for where I was. And it took me a long time to recover from that. I'm sure. But you know what? I'm slowly but surely bounced back and rebuild. Which is a great lesson for the listeners. No matter how far down you go, you can turn around. And I think that that's maybe I'll I'll share a few takeaways from mine. That's the first one. The second one is whenever you start or growing any business, I always like to think bare bones keep the absolute minimum on costs and yeah. drive revenue to be way in excess of cost. So that's the first thing that, that I, I think about. The other one, I, I have a counselor when I was in treatment many years ago that said to me, never compare your insides to other people's outsides. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. I really started recognizing that, we're all messed up inside. Yes. Yeah. And there's nobody is exempt. No. And a great example is, you know, Robin Williams taking his life despite the fact that he has everything and everything at his disposal to yeah. have an amazing life. And yet he took his life. So never compare your insides to other people's outsides. And I'd say that's probably my, uh, my two lessons. One is a business one bare bones when you're starting off, particularly, you know, well, maybe all of your business career bare bones to a certain extent and keep that revenue significantly above the cost and then never compare your insides to other people's outsides. Is there anything you'd add to that? Yeah, absolutely. And it, you allude to when we get back to the, some of the lessons that I've certainly learned. Yep. One is, uh, and I remember um, Jeff Bezos talked a lot about this and you look at the early pictures of Amazon and they have like doors as desks and stuff like that. And, you know, and he said, well, if it doesn't add value to our clients or help us improve the service to our clients, then it's, you know, why, why would we spend money on it? Right. And so, whereas I was spending money to make myself feel good and to look good and stuff. And, and I wrote down in my notes, so like, I only invest in stuff that adds value to our clients. Now, if it doesn't add value, you know, once again, and please understand, like I care deeply about the humans in our team and make sure that they have all that they're comfortable and they're, they're, you know, have all the tools necessary to perform their work and their duties at the highest level and, you know, that they're achieving their own goals and stuff like that, because we care about them as human beings first and second. But the thing is, if we're, if we're investing in it, it's got to add value to our, and from a business point of view, if that's value to our clients, awesome. It's, you know, how do we give more to our clients without charging them anymore, and then still finding a way for us to make more on the bottom line of our business. So it's kind of like, that's the philosophy. So that's, you know, that whole revenue above expenses. Then now I also work purely on ratios. Like, so it's if you, from a business point of view, Best way to explain it. So scaling your business or whatever, if you're growing your business, you're going to want to achieve more Then you might need to add more to achieve more. So if you know you can go from $10 million to $20 million and you were making a million when you were doing 10, now you're making 1.2 when you're doing 20 million. Well, you're actually making less. Right. Right. But you've added 10, you've doubled the risk of your organization while you're doing it. Right. And because you've had to add more to make more rather than saying, what if you could achieve more with equal to or less than, right? So if you could still you know, generate, you know, $15 million revenue, but then make $1.8 million on the bottom line. You know what I mean? Like, so how do you look at it from that perspective? So to me, I look at the ratios. How do I maintain my cost to income ratio or whatever? Or how do I, rather than just looking at the net profit anymore and then looking at the 
gross profit margins. So if we want to do this, here's how much we're willing to spend. How can we achieve more and serve, like give more to our clients and help them achieve more without spending more to do it? You know, because I've learned that because like say, the people said, I've asked one of my clients, asked me once, are you ever going to have an office building? And I'm like, no, (laughs) not likely, especially in today's world. I'm here in my home studio. I have this amazing studio that's set up like Channel 7 or whatever, any, any TV station, because our clients around the world we serve deserve to have the highest level experience they can without me physically being there. Yeah. And so I invested in that so that their clients would have a better experience. But then I'd rather do that than spend money in an office building. And next time somebody asks you that question, you say, let me introduce you to Andrew Stotts and episode number XYZ and listen up and you'll know exactly why we're talking over Zoom or we're meeting in a leased office space for a period of time that I'm doing some event or whatever. So, all right. So based on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? For me, the simplest thing, and this may sound either corny or cliche or whatever, the best investment that I've ever made since then is investing in myself. And that's why for me, I started like, what was the best investment that I ever made? And it was the one when I started really investing heavily in myself in terms of who I was as a person, you know, and I invest heavily just did a live stream this morning about reading and how do I embrace context for myself and that, because I know if I'm happy on the inside, I don't have to try and force happiness on the outside. And then I don't have to make more decisions on the outside that when I get the inside, right. Cause how many people do you know who are, you know, gazillionaires who are totally miserable in their lives? I and mean, if I've learned anything over this time in the times I've been really high and really low is that, I'm happiest when I'm happy on the inside, not happy on the outside. And then I'm also a better business person. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better everything. And to me, the most successful people in the world are the ones who understand that it's not just success. It's not just a business thing. It's like who you are as a person. And I'm so proud of the dad that I am today, the husband I am today, the business person, the business partner, you name it, because of who I am on the inside. Fantastic. And what is a resource that you'd recommend for our listeners? One thing with my, uh, one of our core values at Circle Leadership is wisdom, which is learned from experience, right? So that's why we're practitioners of everything. So having been up and down, lost everything, gained everything back, lost it again, gained it all again. And then uh, finally, in the last five or six years, developed a system of process with our clients, the way that we serve the world and take care of ourselves. What I always offer to people, um, I'm happy to do this to anyone who's on the show, and who's up for like a 30-minute free whiteboard session online. I can whiteboard right up on the screen from the coolness of my studio here. No obligation, no expectation. You want to just sit down and talk about yourself, your leadership as an individual. I mean, all leadership starts with self-leadership. And or business-wise, we're, well, I'll just have a free whiteboard session with them. So they can just go to um, my website, daveclair.com backslash contact and then there's a contact page there and you say free whiteboard session and they can just comment that they saw they listened to us on your show and uh i'll get i have four of those uh, every week that i allow for so yep. you want to get them one and they do get taken up so okay great and i'll have a link to that in the show notes ladies and gentlemen yeah. take take dave up on it sounds like a great opportunity last yeah. question what's your number one goal for the next 12 months my number one goal for the next 12 months my number one goal, I have like, yeah, which I think should be my personal goal, certainly number one personal goal for the next 12 months is to free myself up from the responsibilities I have in our business 
so I can focus more out of our business. Mm, exciting. Yeah, like it, people work in and on their business, we help pull them out of business. So I need to be, you know, so it's like the astronaut, when astronaut goes into space and they look back at the Earth, when they come back down to Earth, they have a whole total different perspective of Earth. So my role as the leader of our organization, as I call it, the guardian of the philosophies and principles in which it was founded on, my role is to be have that astronaut, that space view of, of our global organization. So my goal in the next 12 months is to, you know, evolve our team in a place where I'm freed up to be able to do that. Your goal is to keep flying into space further yeah. away, but with amazing vision. Yeah, yeah well, uh, as, the, as the leader of your organization, it's your job to cast the vision, hold the vision so others can see. But too many people are afraid to see a big vision because they're uncertain of the future and then they're missing right. the point of having a vision. So, well, Listeners, there you have it, another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't yet joined the Become a Better Investor community, just go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to claim your spot. As we conclude, Dave, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of A Stotts Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Don't be afraid to fail. Perfect. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well. Fellow risk takers, let's celebrate that today we added one more person to our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.